Hey, friends and gamers, welcome to episode two of the Frenchie Plays Games podcast. Hey friends and gamers, it's Frenchie. Good to have you back. And for those of you that are brand new, which will probably be most of you because this podcast is relatively brand new, uh, welcome to episode two of the Frenchie Plays Games podcast. Podcast about Frenchie playing games. Pretty intelligent, huh? Okay, so let's get started. So in the continuing quest to kind of get you a little bit into the mind of Frenchie and uh, what he likes to play and kind of get you to know a little bit about Frenchie's world, what I thought I'd do this week is to go ahead and go over the games that I played in August of 2021. Now, I know it's already the middle of September, better late than never, but in preparing for this, I figured it was great to just go back a couple of weeks and see the games that I played over 2021. Now, this was a little bit lighter uh, month for me, but I think just going over these games would, would really help you out. And I'll tell you a little bit about the gameplay the experience of, uh, of that particular game for that time, and then also some of my thoughts on the overall game as well. Um, now, I play with a couple of game groups, so I've got two game groups. One I play on a monthly basis. I did not uh, was not able to play with them this month. I've got them scheduled for next weekend, so I'm very excited about that. But uh, my regular game group that meets every week, we're able to play some really good games. So one of the first things I want to do is take you through uh, the first one that I played, and that was Concordia Venus. Now, those of you who don't know what Concordia is, it's a game of, uh, really, it's kind of a uh, deck-building game and some worker placement where you actually have a deck of cards you'll play down. And as you play those cards down, you get to activate something. And that might be putting ships or different workers out. And you're going ahead across Spain or Italy or whatever. And uh, going ahead and getting different resources and building up trade routes and everything. Really nice game, very, very well po uh, popular and very beloved. Uh, and we played actually with six players because in the Venus, I was not aware of this, there is a six player or team variant. So we were able to go ahead and break uh, this into uh, three teams of two players each. And that team variant is basically, uh, you know, every other, uh, you know, across the table from you is your partner. And uh, you will play and basically in your gameplay, you're trying to set up the other player to play and take advantage of how you're playing. There are a few cards that are part of that that add to that. We walked away with that game, and none of us had played the team variant, but we had a few extra people, uh, and uh, we started, and we're like, can we do it? And one of the people who had the game's like, there's a team variant. Does everyone game for that? So we did that. Let me tell you, this team variant was really, really special. I was not, I was not looking forward to playing a team. I'm like, all right, we'll go ahead and do that. Boy, was I ever wrong. That team variant in Concordia is really sweet, and I would suggest that you play it. Walked away with a little bit of going, well, that adds to a different strategy of a game that many of us already knew, and it was enjoyable. And now we can go ahead and play Concordia with a larger crowd. We could even go up to eight. I don't know if we'd ever want to go bigger than that, but I think that variant, that team variant, is going to help with uh, being able to allow you to play with six or eight players, so if you have bigger gaming groups or don't want to split up, I think it's going to be a really nice addition. So check that out, that team variant in Concordia. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. And again, we, we we're so excited that we discovered that and that the person knowing the game actually remembered it. We're going to continue to play that variant again as much as, as possible. 
So the next game in my August repertoire was a new game that just came out from AEG here in the States. And that's the game Cascadia. Cascadia uh, is a tile placement drafting game uh, set in the Pacific Northwest of the United States where you're actually drawing these habitat tiles. And they're in columns of four and below them are a wildlife token. So each tile is going to have one or two habitat terrains such as mountains or wetlands or plains. And then you have five different tokens, either salmon or bear or elk or foxes or hawks. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a tableau of the different habitats, try to connect as many of the same habitats as possible. But on each tile, you're also going to have a wildlife symbol, one or three wildlife uh, creatures that you can go ahead and allow you to play one of those tokens on that. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to balance creating the biggest contiguous part of mountains or plains or whatever, because you're gonna score points on your biggest area, one for each tile. But you're also trying to go ahead and score based on the wildlife tokens. The wildlife tokens are actually set up with uh, cards. So there's gonna be different scoring cards. So there's some good variety and replayability here, but those cards will be one for each animal and you can take whatever cards you want and set that up. And so like if you're playing with the eight cards and you wanted to score for a hawk, each hawk, can be scored as long as they're solitary, not touching any other hawk, but you can score based on the number of hawks you have. The bears on the A cards, you can score as long as your bears are in pairs. If they're solo, or if there's three or more, uh, you're not gonna be able to score them. And so you can draw out the B cards for another game or C or D. Uh, and there's also a family variant and an intermediate variant as well that you can put out there. And it creates a lot of variability. So your balance between placing these tiles and taking advantage of how you can build your habitat corridors, but you're also trying to score based on how you're going to put out all of these wildlife tokens based on how the cards are gonna score for the game. So it really creates a really nice strategy. And so if you look at it, you're like, well, that's just kind of a wildlife carcassonne. No, I think this actually, and I hate saying carcassonne killer or, or you know, a uh, you know deck building killer or whatever like that, but this takes tar carcassonne and puts a lot more player agency into it because you're building your own tableau and you're not contributing to a common area that you're doing. This game is already ascending in Board Game Geek. Currently, it's at 768 as of this episode uh, being taped and recorded taped you can tell i'm a little bit old over huh i'm saying some outdated terms here but it's a really great abstract game i think it's a fantastic game to teach i think it's a great game to go ahead and uh, bring to uh, game events and everything like that and there's enough there to satisfy the intermediate intermediate and seasoned uh, players and uh, i highly suggest you check that out and that's cascadia great great game so one of the other games i played and again i talked about we got into party games not too long ago and uh, the group that I'm involved in always has a strong contingent of party game players and so people start pulling me in because when you're playing games and you're in a group you know you finish up a game somebody wants to play something else and so you're always kind of moving around so uh, we played a game of Codenames Pictures now Codenames Pictures is part of the Codenames line of games I play Codenames quite a bit first time I've actually played pictures and it's the very similar thing just without the words involved and so where you're setting up a five by five grid, you've got teams, you have two people that are, uh, you know, your uh, code breakers or whatever, and they're going to go ahead and say a word and you're going to have to guess and they're going to also say a number. And you're going to have to guess uh, as many of those clues to uh, go ahead and try to hit that. And uh, if you guess the right ones, uh, you're going to 
you're going to score points. And if you guess the wrong one, you'll score points or you could lose the game because each of the code breakers, and I'm forgetting the name, but the people that are shouting out the clues uh, have a bunch of, has have a card facing them. And based on the red team or the blue team, they're looking at, um, you know, saying a clue that's going to have you pick those cards. So they're trying to strategically have you touch and, and pick those cards. Uh, really great game. It's one of those games that's an evergreen game. It's going to be around forever. Really glad it's there. Um, I don't dive into it all the time, but it's an enjoyable game uh, that uh, that I played. And I'm actually going to take uh, code names a little bit and, and re reference it to the last game I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. But that was uh, Codenames Pictures. And if you haven't played it, check it out. If you like party games or deduction games, really cool game. So the next game, I did not know that this game was being uh, re-implemented. And so if you go back into, uh, I think, uh, just around 2010 or so, there was a game called The Resistance that came out. And that was a party game in which it was set in a cyberpunk era. And uh, players would split into two teams. And so they would have to accomplish uh, you know, five missions or whatever based on player count. And the team that got the majority of missions uh, would win the game. But there were going to be some traitors, and so they would sabotage the missions. And so it was a little bit about picking people who are going to be on your team or voting who is going to be on the team to accomplish the mission. And then everyone passing or succeeding the mission. And then based on that, trying to deduce who are the people who are trying to undermine everything. And it was a great game. Well, a few years later, they actually reskinned that game and put it into a Knights of the Round Table Camelot setting called it Avalon. And so that actually got a lot more recognition and acclaim. And so that was popular. Well, apparently this year, uh, after a couple of years of development, they've actually created what's called Quest, and it's the Avalon Big Box. And so one of the people in my game group brought that over. And I'm like, oh, I've played Resistance a couple of times. Let's go ahead and play. I will tell you right now, this game to me is absolutely fantastic, having not played Avalon. Uh, but I don't know what's in is what's in Avalon, but basically the same core type of game is there as you would find in a resistance. But it's going to take the different characters of the Camelot era, Morgan Le Fay and different players and then also different roles too. you may be a youth because uh, one of the things you're going to do is as you go on these quests, um, the person who's the leader is going to give a fireball to uh, a specific player. And that fireball, if you're the forces of evil, that fireball's magic is going to force you to tell the truth and succeed the mission, unless you're Morgan Le Fay. And then you're going to have to fail the mission because you're immune to the fireball. But if you're on the side of good, you might be the youth. And if you get the fireball, well, because you're a youth, you're going to get scared and you're going to fail the mission anyway. And then there's a troublemaker on the side of good. So if you have that role, if you're asked about your allegiance, you have to lie. But then there's a trickster on the side of evil. And if you're asked about your allegiance, the trickster may lie versus the uh, troublemaker who has to lie. And so the roles really make a lot of strategic decisions as to are you uh, on the side of good or on the side of evil? And it's a really great game and it's very modularized too. We've played three or four games. We've had a fantastic time. Scales well six, seven or eight. And, uh, and I think this game really does good with, with that type of sweet spot anyway. And uh, there's a lot more content to fold into it. Fantastic game, and I can't recommend it enough. Really affordable as well. And uh, I, I'm just so thrilled that I was able to play it. I'm going to look forward to playing this for a long time coming. That's Quest, Avalon Big Box from Indie Boards and Cards. So another game that's been around for quite a while that I finally got a chance to play is the card game No Thanks. Now this is a card uh, game where you're going to have 
uh, series of cards and some chips. And then you're going to go ahead and uh, bid on, uh, take chips and everything and kind of bid on them. And if you have to take the card, then you've got to go ahead and put in this tableau based on runs. And then you're going to score runs based on the lowest uh, card amount. But it's a push your luck game. You can go ahead and pass. But if you run out of chips, you're going to have to take a card. So you're trying to manage your chips and the resources they are. But you're also trying to go ahead and uh, not take cards that are going to uh, give you points and take cards that are going to actually give you points but the very lowest points. However, you don't know what all the cards are because nine cards are taken out randomly. And so there may be a broken part of the run. So you're not sure about that. So that hidden information really makes this game a really neat game. And it's addictive, to be quite honest with you, too. You play and you're like, I can do better than that. And then you don't do well. And you're like, I can do better than that. Then you play and you have a really great game and you win. And you're like, I can do a little bit better. Or let's try that again. It is a hook. It is a really addictive game. Uh, you can play a whole bunch of them in rapid fire succession. So it's a great portable game. Uh, and again, another game just like Quest that I was excited to play and a game that I'm going to continue to play for quite a while. And that is No Thanks, a very classic uh, by modern game standards card game that I think you should uh, check out. So the next game I played, I actually put a review out uh, on this in YouTube and also on Board Game Geek. It is a re-implementation of a Martin Wallace classic, I guess you could say, even though that classic came out uh, in 2008, so only 13 years ago. And that's Tinner's Trail. Tinner's Trail is a, um, you know, kind of a worker placement resource management game where you are actually trying to do mines in southwest England during the time of ore and tin mining. And what you're doing is you're actually going ahead and using worker points or action points to manage the actions you're going to do to bid on areas of the map and go ahead and build mines and then discover what type of ore might be there. And then, of course, because of where it was, you're also going to have some high amounts of water. So your game is going to be balanced between managing your action points and your resources, bidding on this land. Uh, and, and acquiring it and then going ahead and extracting the water so you can go ahead and extract the ore. But every time you extract ore, you're going to technically go a little bit deeper into the, uh, the, the ground. And so you're going to get another water cube and you're going to have to try to purge those because the more water cubes, the more costly it is to extract the ore. But as you're going through all of this, uh, you're going to have different things. You could get a steamship or a, a uh, water pump or you can get a miner or you can get uh, a train or whatever. And these things will allow you to uh, take away some of the water or mine a little bit more ore. But uh, the other thing you have to do is manage when you're going to finish up your worker points because then you have another board called an investment board. And the first one on that board will get a higher amount of points for not only trading in their uh, for trading in all of their ore once they cash it in. And so you're going to have to try to manage that because if you fall too late, you're not going to be too many points behind in what you convert that over, but you will be behind and these scores can ramp up pretty quickly. Now, the other part of that is that every round, and there's four game rounds, you're going to roll the dice and the dice are kind of pre-constructed a little bit. So it's going to create a little bit of a, uh, I would say, a market uh, price for the tin and the copper. And so as you're doing this, you're going to have the tin and copper prices fluctuate. And if they go too high on one round, you're going to have to market correct and subtract one from that die roll. And if they're too low, you have to add one to kind of bounce that market back. And so it's a matter of going ahead and extracting the ore, cashing it in, 
at the round where it's probably going to be the, the best advent, uh, and most advantageous, and then going ahead and converting that into points, but still leaving all that cash that you would convert to points, leaving some of that available because you're going to need that to mine and extract ore in your next round. So it's a really tight economic game. Really great. Uh, I like the style of artwork, but the artwork tends to get a little muddled when you put it on the board because it's kind of uh, kind of blends in. They're darker colors. There's not much contrast, but the production quality is fantastic. Great game. Again, I love a great Euro game. And so this game has really been uh, been a satisfactory uh, purchase Kickstarter of mine for this year. And that's Tinner's Trail. That's the new edition that came out this year. Uh, check it out. Game from Martin Wallace that if you like Euros, you like economic games, I think you'll appreciate So the next game that I played is uh, last month is uh, probably, I would say, a guilty pleasure of mine. It's not a deep strategy game, but it's a fun dice chucker, and it's a classic, classic game from Sid Saxon, and that's Can't Stop. Uh, Can't Stop is a game in which you have a uh, board that's shaped like a stop sign, and if you think of a bell curve and rolling two dice, you have the numbers from 2 to 12 that are there, and you have different uh, spots where you're going to be moving cones up the board and fit them on there and every time you roll you're going to move those cones up there and then you can go ahead and stop at any time uh, and then you save your spot on those tracks um, or if you bust meaning that you roll the four dice because you're going to pair up each of the dice uh, if you can't match up to a number uh, you will go ahead and lose all your progress and because there's four dice and three cones you're only going to be able to move up three different tracks at any time, too. So if you're rolling the same combination of seven, you can continue to move that seven marker up and leave the other two cones available. But once you start not rolling sevens and you have to pick other numbers, those two cones will be out there. So if you ever roll a fourth number that doesn't match up to your uh, cones, you're going to bust and you're going to lose all progress. Uh, and then to convolute things a little bit more, once a player gets to the top of one of the columns, they're going to put their cone at the top of that column, and let's say it's the 7 column, or let's say it's the 12 column, then all the other players take their cones off. That column is not going to be used anymore because somebody has claimed that, and so you're going to be restricted a little bit more as to how many rows you can go ahead and roll dice in advance on. So it's a lot of push your luck. And like I said, not a whole lot of strategy, but really fun. It's a great game you can whip out. You can play it in about 30, 40 minutes, and a really enjoyable dice chucker. And that's Can't Stop, classic game by Sid Saxon. So the last two, again, uh, boy, you know, and I said I got back into party games last year. I guess I uh, did a little bit more. I wouldn't really consider this necessarily a party game, although it can go up to eight players. So I'm going to kind of throw it in there a little bit. Game by uh, Bruno Falduti, if I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, and uh, I was told about this game and uh, heard a lot of people that said it's a great game. That's a game called Secrets. So Secrets is a game in which uh, each player is going to get a disc token. And that token can either be uh, you are a communist or you're a member of the CIA or, of all things, you're a hippie. Okay, very thematic. And, uh, and players are going to be uh, multiple of those. You might have two communists, two hippies, two CIA or whatever. And then you're going to have another disc in the center of the table. And then from that, there's also a small deck of cards. But these cards are primarily going to be uh, eight different um, roles and so there'll be a journalist or a scientist or different things like that an assassin and so a player is going to go and one by one a player is going to pick up two cards they're going to look at them now there is a common board in which it describes all the roles 
And so you'll put the cards out. You'll put markers to tell everybody what those two rolls are. Then you'll take those back, and then you're going to select one of those cards, and you're going to give it to a player. And that player can either accept the card or refuse the card. So if they accept the card, they're going to take it. You're going to put it in their tableau. Uh, those cards will have points on them. They also may give them some advantages, but they also might pen them into what um, they don't want to do based on other cards they have played. So, for instance, scientists typically have five points. And if you have a scientist up, that's great. You're going to get five points because the game's typically going to be based on the amount of points that you had uh, at the end of the game. However, if you have a second scientist, uh, then you're going to have to turn those two cards face down and all other cards you have face down, which means those cards don't score points from you and you're going to have to restart again. So there's different trigger effects on some of these cards. The assassin card, uh, if you have, you play, you're actually going to take a bullet card. You're going to give it to a player face down. That's revealed at the end of the game. That's going to be anywhere from zero to three points off that player's final score. But no one's going to know that until the end of the game. Some cards are going to allow players to swap out the tokens. And so you may know which player is which, but you're going ahead and you're, you're trying to uh, mix that up. And so your role might change throughout the game. So it creates this dynamic as you're trying to figure out who's who and trying to set them up to help you score more points. Um, that those rules can kind of shift around a little bit and uh, mess things up a bit. So it's really a matter of just trying to keep that hidden information, track everything. And again, once the game ends with one player having five cards in their tableau, the game will end and everybody scores. And the highest score will win the game unless you're the hippie. And then the hippie has to score the lowest amount of points. And the, and the one hippie where everyone else, the CIA and the communists, will score as a team and win. The hippie will score individually, even if there's multiple hippies, the one that has the least amount of points will win the game as themselves. Um, I was not really someone who walked away with this game and said, I'm not really sure that this is a, a great game. I, I, I understand the appeal a little bit and uh, just didn't do it for me. And then as the week went on, I actually started thinking about the game a little bit more. I'm like, you know, I think there's something there and I just missed it. And I'm intrigued by this game the more I talk about it as well. And hopefully that's coming out a little bit as I'm talking. But it's a really cool game that uh, I enjoy. I'm looking forward to playing that again. And I think I'm going to I'm gonna like it. I think I'm going to put on a list of like. I don't know that I'll purchase that, but uh, I think it's a game I'm going to readily play. So I look forward to the next play to kind of test that theory because I think the more that I've, the more that I've ruminated on it, think I've missed something there and uh, there's something to offer. So that's Secrets, a great little party game you might want to check out. So the last game that Frenchie played in August, uh, now that it's uh, October now and we're almost done, uh, is a game that's similar to Code Names. And uh, it's a game where you're going to uh, take five by five row. You're going to have one through five and A through E. And uh, you are going to I uh, have a deck of cards, which you're going to uh, put underneath each one that has words. Each card has double-sided, so they'll have one word on top, one word on the bottom. You're going to randomly assign one word, so one word's facing on each of the rows, each of the columns. And then there'll be another deck of cards with the grid numbers, A1 all the way to E5. And uh, you're going to go ahead and do kind of similar uh, code name fashion, and that's a game called Cross Clues. Now, Cross Clues has this retro, late 50s, early 60s style U.S. type of um, design and, and colors and fonts and everything like that. And it's a really fun game. And this game, it's a cooperative game. So versus code names where there's a uh, player or team versus team aspect, Cross Clues is everybody going ahead and playing. And your goal is to, in a certain amount of time, get as many of the different grids picked 
as you can before time expires. So what you're going to do is each player is going to draw a card now that you have the A through E and the 1 through 5 laid out. Uh, and then you have all the words stuck under the cards so they're available. You're going to pick a card and it might say B4. Okay, not after, but B4. And uh, you're going to say, well, maybe B4 says white. Maybe B says white. And uh, maybe uh, 4 says, you know, animal. And so you might say polar or you might say rabbit because you can only say one word. And so you're trying to get everybody to go ahead and pick that spot. And so everyone's going to have a card and you're going to say stop. And the first person that says stop has a clue. So you're going to say your clue. Everyone's going to try to pick it. And so you want to try to make the clue as obvious as you can so they pick the right one. Because if they pick it right, you discard the, you put the card down there, shows them where you are, and you pick up another card uh, for another section of that grid. And the players go, and another player is going to go ahead and say stop and shout out a clue. If you don't catch it, you're going to put that card, which again might say B4, and put that down face down in a deck so no one knows where that could have been, and draw another card. And it's a race against the clock. Uh, we played three games, had a blast. The first two games we did really average. And then the third game, now that we were uh, very experienced and we were tuned in, uh, absolutely was abysmal. And uh, we were like, yeah, we don't deserve to play this game anymore. Of course, it was the end of our night. But uh, it's a great game. I think it's a it's a neat game that takes uh, something and the typical premise of what you would see in codenames, turns it on his ear, and uh, really fun. And uh, that's Cross Clues, and so that's a little bit of a recap of the games that Frenchie played in 2021, August. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for just listening to me kind of go on. Uh, next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about games that I'm looking for in crowdfunding, and then we'll start really getting into some of the meat and potatoes of some other things as well. But uh, great getting to talk to you. Please, again, like subscribe, share, go ahead and put comments in, and then check out me on social media. Check out YouTube Frenchie Plays Games, and then also check out some of the other things uh, in the notes below here, the show notes for uh, where you can find me on social media. Really appreciate you all, and until next time, play nice. Take care. Mm -hmm.